0: Afternoons with me, I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so looking forward to uh, this hour with you because on Wednesdays, you know, we do the prayer series. We've been at this for quite a while. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I will be hosting uh, a very special guest today. We're going to bring him on in just a couple of minutes. But Peter, I'm excited for this hour and we're going to talk a little bit about the power of agreement and intercessory prayer today. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, we've covered a lot of ground in this series so far. I don't know how many weeks we've done it, but, but it's not been, you know, less than a few. <laughs> and and yeah. we there's been so many good topics over this time that a lot of really able people have covered. But even as you and I were talking a little bit about this specific show, we haven't really touched very much on what you just mentioned, the idea of agreement in prayer, but then even specifically the idea of intercessory prayer and what happens within the heavens, what happens in the spiritual realm when you have intercessors praying on other people's behalf. So I'm really curious what our our guest is going to say about that today.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I love the passage out of Matthew 18, verses 19 to 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So it's an amazingly powerful verse, but we need to learn more about it. And I know if you uh, have been a Christian for any length of time, there's something in your personal life or in the life of one of your, your loved ones that you probably desperately feel needs to change and you want some kind of spiritual breakthrough. Maybe you've been pleading with God for some spiritual breakthrough and maybe God is just waiting for you to cry out to him in prayer, but to do it together. So we're going to talk about that today with our, our guest, uh, James Maxim, he's written a amazing book called 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer, The Power of Agreement. He's got quite an interesting background. I'm going to let him talk about that himself. James, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here, Bill.
0: Yeah, now I'm going to switch from formal James just to Jim for the rest of the hour.
2: Yeah, please. I don't, I've don't. never... Nobody's <laughs> called me James in
0: 15 years. <laughs> of course. So I want to get to know you a little bit, and I want to first uh, find out um, what... Uh, about your, your testimony with your, your mom praying for you. This is a powerful way to start.
2: Yeah, Bill, it's, uh, I happen to be in this story, but it's really a story of a woman that knew her God, Yeah, a woman that really mm-hmm. understood that her God meant everything that he said to her and that if she would take him seriously, that there was nothing that she could not accomplish in prayer according to his will because she could do anything that God could do <laughs> if she would spend the time before him and take him at his word. So for me, uh, Bill, it was uh, it's not just an academic or a theological topic. For me, it's reality. I laid in a pool of my own blood with over 300 stitches in my face. I had five tubes in my body feeding me and draining me intravenously. My life as I knew it was over. I was an alcoholic on drugs. I had just gotten out of jail for minor stuff. I started hardcore drugs at the age of 15. And so by the time I was 18, I was a full-blown alcoholic. Six out of eight kids in our family are alcoholics. And um, my mother, as a young girl, gave her life to Christ, but uh, fell away from the Lord and married my father, who was a Catholic. And Uh, through a series of events for all the dysfunction. We had eight kids. My father, an alcoholic, our home was repossessed. And uh, just one thing after the other, it was just a nightmare for us growing up. And so for me as one of eight, I just knew that I had to make it on my own. And so by, like I said, at 15, I started hardcore drugs. Well, one night I was at a party and I had done what I do. I just enlisted in the Marine Corps. It was 1971. My brother just came back from Vietnam. I knew I could fight, so that was one thing I, I thought I could do was enlist in the Marines and get out of the environment that I was in. And so one night, uh, I was at a party, and I got so drunk, my friend took me home. and He had his girlfriend follow him and handed me the keys and said, I'll see you in the morning. I said, whatever, and I hid on the side of the house until they left. Because, Bill, when you're an alcoholic, you don't drink just to drink. There's a hole inside of you. There's a an unsatisfiable uh, thing just craving and pushing and pulling and the weight of it just just drives you to continue to until you can't talk or walk. So I got back in my car and I went out for some more and I leaned over to change an old eight-track tape player. It was about midnight, maybe 12.30 now. And as I leaned over to change uh, the tape, one fell on the floor and I bent over to pick it up and I was so drunk I passed out. They said my vehicle went up an embankment, came down, I hit a telephone pole and I flew through the passenger side of the windshield. After my face and head went through the glass, my shoulders hit the windshield, stopped me, and the weight of my body dragged me back down in the car across the jagged glass and lacerated Uh my face. The cops, I don't remember this, but the cops told me my car was on an embankment on a side hill, and they told me when they came into the vehicle, they braced themselves on. My face was in the passenger floor compartment. They said it had filled up with blood by the time they got there, and we put his foot in the car, and the blood came up over the top of his shoe to get me out. They got me to the car and he said, I looked at my partner, Maxim, and I said, forget it, he's two ladies dead. And um, I don't remember this, but they said, I looked at him and said, no, I'm still with you. <laughs> and uh, so they got me into the, into the emergency room, and it's about two o'clock in the morning now, and they couldn't find a plastic surgeon. So the intern just started pulling shards of glass out of my face and my eyes. And uh, they had called my mother and said, Mrs. Maxim, your son, Jim,'s been in an accident. And uh, she said, well, can I come down in the morning? this was nothing new for her. She had, you know, seven kids or so at still home, and my father was, you know, passed out. And uh, they said, no, ma'am, you don't understand. You need to come now. So she said she got in a car and got to the hospital and looked in the emergency room, and the doctors looked at her and said, ma'am, we just don't know. He has fallen into a coma. The amount of glass in his eyes and face, we just don't know. His left eye is severely damaged if he will ever see again. The cut in the top of his skull is very deep, and the possibility of brain damage is very real. Uh, we just don't know. So you can imagine a mother showing up in a hospital at 2 o'clock in the morning and a husband and other kids already having these kind of challenges. And She had rededicated her life to Christ through all this dysfunction in our family, and when she did that, something changed in the, in the house. We used to hear her back in her room praying and, it was mom, so she could be a little kooky, we thought, and it really didn't matter. She could do whatever she wanted to do, but we heard her back there praying. And something happened. And just the atmosphere, the, 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 the tone of the house seemed to change. But uh, I'd never been to a Christian church. I'd never read the Bible. I had no concept of wicked spirits and high places and demonic forces against your life. But my mother said, Jimmy, when I got in the car to go home that night— it was just like Satan was relentless with me. Where's this God of yours now, Isabel? You pray to him and spend this time in prayer, confessing him, believing him, calling him almighty God. Where's he at, Isabel? Look at your husband, look at your children. Where's this gracious God of yours now when you need him, Isabel? She told me, Jimmy, I just got on my knees and just started crying out to God when I got back home. I said, please, Jesus, don't let him be blind. Jesus, please, when's this gonna end? God, I'm crying out to you for my family. Please God, when's this going Dan? Can't you do something for him? And as I was in a coma bill, I was falling through darkness and it was as real as this conversation. It's this where it gets a little weird, but I had never been to a Christian church, like I said, so no concept of any of this stuff. I was a pretty tough guy, I'm six, three, I was 200 and some pounds. I could always take care of myself. but this time I had gone one step too far and I knew it. I was in a place that wasn't meant for mankind. As I was falling through darkness, I put my arms out on both sides of me to break the fall, but there was nothing there. And as I kept falling through darkness, as my mother was home interceding for me, asking God to do something, I stopped falling. And I looked on my left-hand side, and I saw these two things there. I I don't know how how to describe them other than very ugly creatures. They were demons, and I had no concept of that. (laughs) But I knew they were going to hurt me. I knew they wanted me. I knew... I knew that there was nothing I could do. I couldn't get a gun, a, a knife, or a club. There was nothing I could do. It was out of my control. And as she was home interceding for me, for Jesus Christ to do something in my life, Bill, it was then that Jesus came to me. No, I saw him, but I can't describe him if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But he came to me, and not word for word, Bill, I don't mean want, want to exaggerate, but the essence of the discussion was when he looked at me, what he said to me is what shocked me, what he didn't say is what shocked me the most. Why should I? He didn't say to me, why should I help you now? You laughed at me. You mocked me. You mocked your mother. You laughed at my word. You laughed at my Why should I help you now? But he didn't say that to me, Bill. What he said to me was when I looked at him, not word for word, but the impression, Bill, was, Jim, you've been playing around long enough. Do you want to continue? And I said, Jesus, I don't. But what do I got to do? I just prayed that prayer in jail a few weeks ago, and here I am again. God, what do I have to do? In other words, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus looked at me while those two things were standing there. And the odd thing, Bill, the interesting thing to me was I knew what it was to be in trouble and have a friend show up just at the right moment. And when I looked at those two things, it was odd because I knew they were looking at him and they knew who he was. I had no idea that when he died on the cross that he had descended into hell for three days and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto the children. I had no concept of any of that, but they knew who he was because they stopped dead in their tracks. And when Jesus was talking to me, he said, Jim, if you ask me to cleanse you and forgive you, I will, but I won't barge my way into your life. You have to ask me. Jim, if you ask me to be your savior, if you ask me to forgive you, I will and I'll live in you. I'll be your best friend, Jim. Hmm. I understood what that was all about. And I knew I needed help. And I looked at him and I said, Jesus, please help me. And Bill, the moment I said that, Jesus, please help me. Forgive me. Whatever those two things were, they left. And, Bill, I woke up a few days later out of my coma in intensive care. I had over 300 stitches in my face. My head was wrapped like a mummy from top down to my neck, and I couldn't talk. My jaw was busted and wired shut, teeth were out of my face. And uh, My mother said, I don't remember this, but she said the first words that I muttered through my broken jaw when I came out of that coma was, Mom, Jesus is here. Wow. <laughs> Jesus is here. And she knew. She used hey, Bill— she, if I could, if I could hold my, my, it was like, she held out her index finger to me. She said, Jimmy, when I was crying out to God, she used to hold her index finger out to me just in front of my face. Jimmy, it was like this. I saw God's hand come down and touch your left eye. I saw that. And it was, maybe it was just God's way of telling me you're going to be okay that he shared my cry. And that's the power of agreement, engaging with God, bringing God. There's nothing that God cannot do. There's There's nobody that has gone so far that the love of Christ cannot reach because God has given us this wonderful privilege, this thing called prayer, where we can engage the supernatural power of the almighty God and ask him to come in and change the situation, not because of anything we've done other than to stand in the gap and say, Father, you told me if I pray, you'd listen. And so that's what she did for me. So for me, Bill and Peter, this is not just a theological subject. For me, it's the answer, in my opinion, it's the missing link for the power, for the supernatural, powerful manifestation of Christ in our services. Our ministry is to is to mobilize the church to begin to intercede for our pastors, their wives and children.
0: Wow. What a start, Jim. Let me take a short break. Isn't. It's an incredible story. Uh, we're going to continue with our guest, uh, Jim Maxim. He's written a book called 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer. We'll be right back, Dr. Peter Capster and I. This is the Prayer Series. We're so glad you're with us. We'll be right back. Jim Maxim and Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are so happy to be hosting uh, this incredible story we just heard on uh, Jim's book called 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer, The Power of Agreement. And I, I really, the, the power of agreement, this is uh, an intercessory prayer. These are two topics, Jim. I don't know if we've done much investigating, investigation of in our prayer series. So I would, I would love for you to talk about this power of agreement.
2: Well, Bill, the uh, one scripture that um, I've never heard a sermon on, and it really blows my mind, it's Ephesians uh, 3, uh, verse 10. It says, in fact, let me, let me back up and read a, a couple of verses because it's, they kind of put it in context. It's uh, 3, The us start with 7. It says, uh, Paul talking Paul Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And here's the verse. So that, in other words, so all the reason for, so that, Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to who? To the people on earth? No. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, God wants to use his kids to make known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places his unsearchable riches of Christ. He wants his kids to. To display his love and his power. Why I, I don't, I you know that's above my pay grade. But there are there is an unseen world that we fight, and I know that you know we understand that. But if you back up to chapter one in this uh, in Ephesians, and just start with uh, well, let's say verse twenty-one, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is body to the fullness of him. There's a world out there that God wants us to understand. And God has given us um, really the weapons of our warfare. What did Paul say? He said, that the, he said the weapons of our warfare, the mode of operation for us, the, the way I've designed it for you Christians to be successful in this world, The weapons of our warfare are not natural, man-made, or carnal, but they are divine weapons for the pulling down of demonic strongholds. And with these weapons, we can bring every negative thought captive to the obedience of the cross. So the idea of prayer, the idea of the church, the idea of having a prayer partner, the idea of praying—now, you don't have to have a prayer partner. I mean, if there's a single mom at home and she's thinking, well, I've got to know, because you have the Holy Spirit there. The Holy Spirit is with you, and he will help you intercede. He will teach you how to intercede. He will walk you through hand in hand. He will reveal to you uh, what what it is and how you are to be successful in this world. And so this the weapons of our warfare, when I was in the Marine Corps, The first time they gave me an M-14, that was very foreign to my, I'd never fired a high-powered rifle before. But by the end of boot camp, we were extremely good at firing that weapon. My question to most of the Christian world is, do you know where your trigger is? The weapons of our warfare are not natural, man-made, or carnal, but divine weapons for the pulling down of demonic strongholds. And then you match it up with these verses we just talked about, so that to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to who? The principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now, I'm a business guy. Uh, I've been very successful in business. God has blessed me in business. He's taught me how to apply his spiritual principles in business. And it's not for me to just make money, although it's nice, and he's allowed me to have a very nice life. He wants to show the world around me the power of Christ in my life not just to people but but to the principalities and powers in heavenly places I have to have a heavenly mindset I have to understand when when Paul said that that look if you're gonna be successful in this life you've got to understand that take the shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one now he said all the fiery darts Quench all. Now, when you hear that word quench, it's almost like a dart going into water or a, a match going away. Psh, you hear it going out. Psh, you hear it going out. Psh, you hear it going out. It doesn't mean the darts are going to stop coming. The thoughts, the negative thoughts that Paul's talking about. When he said that the weapons of our warfare aren't natural, man made, or carnal, but divine weapons for the pulling down of demonic strongholds. And with these weapons, we can bring what? Every negative thought captive. So the idea the principalities and powers in heavenly places, they want to play with our mind. They want to attack our mind. They want to get us off of operating in the spiritual realm. But as a businessman, I understand I'm not about to walk into a boardroom and, and, and to talk like I'm talking to you guys today. I have to live in, in, in the world and understand that. But I want to walk on prayed over ground. I want to start my day in the presence of Almighty God. I mean, he's only God. There's nothing that God can't do. And he can use me to his glory if if I will humble myself before him, if I will empty myself before him, acknowledge his holiness, acknowledge his power, his supremacy, his sovereignty, acknowledge my need for him, that that if I'm not offending the Holy Spirit of God, if I'm, not, if I'm not living in sin, if I'm not permitting these principalities and powers to entice me to go against God and live in sin, I mean, we've just seen some horrible displays of Christian leadership this last year. Oh, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but of guys that have been playing around in, in areas that they had no business. And it all gets back to intimacy. Where, well, Jim, why are you changing? I'm not changing the subject. I'm trying to say this that everything has to do with our intimacy with God. John fourteen twenty three says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. They will make their home with us. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's prayer, Bill.
0: That is, that's powerful. I love. That's yeah, I love the the verses, and I love the uh, surrender that you're doing every day. And that's an important reminder to all of us.
2: Yes, Bill. I my heart is wicked. I know where I could be this afternoon or this evening. Mm-hmm. I know where I could be, Bill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got a bunch of questions for you. Uh, we're going to take a little break, though, right now because we're already at a break time. And uh, Jim's book is called 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer. And I want to get to how do, we, how do we start that process of getting to breakthrough prayer. We're going to talk about that. And I know Peter's got some questions when we come back. Thank you so much for uh, listening. If you got a question or you need something clarified, you can send me a text to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are back in our prayer series. We do that Wednesdays, and we uh, sure enjoyed the time with our guests. Our guest today is Jim Maxim. He's written a book called 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer, The Power of Agreement. He also uh, had Daniel Henderson, Pastor Daniel Henderson, write, and also his wife Kathy, and we had Daniel on the show who was uh, spectacular. And I know Peter, uh, the break was helpful for me. It gave me a chance to catch my breath after that uh, opening story. And I know you got a question for uh, Jim, so I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you go next.
1: Yeah, boy, it was interesting to listen to the, all of the the stories there, Jim, too. And my mind was racing with a series of questions. I think specifically because we don't often talk about how our prayers affect things in the spiritual realm in the way that you so easily and elegantly described and i'm curious if you can say more about maybe a couple of things and and one is how do 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 we underestimate maybe a a bit of what's going on in the spiritual realm and how it impacts us as believers maybe that's just the, the only question that i would have to ask in terms of our thought life in terms of our relationships in terms of how we do our day are we just maybe dulled a bit as to what's going on there and how would you describe what does happen then
2: well that's a great question peter and and um I'd like to make a statement uh, that that will start my answer, and that is prayer has become unattractive to Christians. Jim, what are you talking about? How can you say something like that? When's the last time you've been to a corporate prayer meeting at a church? Most churches don't even have prayer meetings anymore. Most pastors don't have prayer meetings anymore. And the reason for that is, well, there's a lot of reasons, <laughs> and it gets into your question. You know, pastors, they they don't want to be seen as, quote-unquote, you know, so heavenly-minded they're no earthly good. They don't want to get into this spiritual realm because in, in every pastor that I've ever spoken to that has completed any type of seminary-level education, they will always tell you they were taught about prayer theologically and academically but nobody ever modeled to them prayer. And so when they start, to, the reason you often hear people say, I don't go to my church's prayer meeting because I've been to my church's prayer meeting. And it's such it's such an indictment against our ignorance. And, I, and look, I, my ministry is to strengthen pastors and their wives and children. Our, my ministry is to mobilize the body of Christ to intercede for our pastors, their wives and children. So I'm not putting down pastors, please don't. I don't mean to come across like that. I'm just, you asked a question. And here's the answer. Take a, take a listen to Jude 22. It says, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. Snatching them out of the fire. We have the ability to do what? To snatch someone out of the fire. That's what my mother did for me. How about 2 Timothy two twenty four? 24? It, it says, um, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, so that they may come to their senses and what? Escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not natural, man-made, or carnal, but divine weapons for the pulling down of demonic strongholds. And with these weapons, we can bring every negative thought captive. What keeps people away from Jesus? Negative thoughts. Thoughts about God doesn't love them. God's up in heaven with a hammer ready to get you. Negative thoughts, incorrect thinking. I mean, I'm an evangelist, and and there's I can't thank God enough for the way I've seen him use me to bring souls to the cross in the most unbelievable situations, whether it was in a boardroom or whether it was in a in a cell in prison. But people are held captive by the devil to do his will. Listen to that verse, leading to a knowledge of the truth so that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. How are we going to bring people to the cross If we don't do it supernaturally, I can't bring, I cannot lead somebody to Christ. Only the spirit of God can bring someone to Christ, but he's the Holy spirit's going to use me. And the more educated I am of the spiritual world, the better, the more successful I'll be in the natural world. Now, and I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, a name and claim it guy. I'm not a, I don't go into that faith message stuff and all that, but, but, There's a component to having faith in God, exercising it against the spiritual world, understanding that Satan has a plan against me, the weapon. what does it say about the shield of faith? You can take the shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So there is a complete world out there that most, not most, let me back up, a complete world out there that the Christian world needs to hear more of. What are you saying, Jim? The devil's on every corner. That's what he wants that. That's the message Satan wants because it's not, you know, it's not a uh, – it reduces the supernatural to gimmicks. It reduces the supernatural uh, truth to something that nobody really can get their head around, so they ignore it. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Brooklyn Tabernacle on a Tuesday night, but you've got to get there early <laughs> because it's their weekly prayer meeting. And if you don't get there early, there's not a seat in the house. And uh, if God said, if my people who are called by my name would build big buildings, raise lots of money, wear skinny jeans, have smoke machines, and get their PhDs, (laughs) they can do it all on their own. And me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit can sit back in heaven and chill. I'm being facetious and I don't mean to be cute. But it's unfortunate that we've taken that scripture, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways then i would hear from heaven i would forgive their sin and i would heal their land peter the idea that god is holy and that idea that we can approach him the very first thing our father did when jesus died on the cross was he tore the veil of the temple from top to bottom so that you and i would have access to him you and I could come to him. You and I could empty ourselves before him. You and I could ask him, as Jesus said, ask, no longer do I call you servants, but friends, so that you can go to the Father and ask the Father whatever you want. And my Father will do it for you because he loves you. That scripture, three, uh, Ephesians 3.10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, God's kids to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We must learn where our triggers are in the spiritual world. We must learn what God meant when he said, if my people who are called by my name would pray, prayer has been reduced to an an unattractive, unintellectual subject by the demonic world to keep us away from praying. That's why most Jim, churches don't pray.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and having been in seminary for a number of years, both uh, going for <laughs> cramming my four-year degree into at least five years, but also teaching in seminary as well, we didn't talk a lot about prayer, and, and especially not in the way you're describing it, in the realm of the Spirit. And I'm wondering if I was listening today and, and wasn't familiar with how to pray in some of those ways related to interacting in the spiritual realm. Do you just have some basic steps that you can invite people into to engage in that kind of way? Because I think people are understandably a little bit fearful to start with that, because it can feel—maybe they'll, they'll feel a bit loony, or they'll feel like, gosh, I'm just making stuff up. But what would right. be some really just easy equipping steps for any individual to start engaging in the realm of the Spirit?
2: Well, um, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will help us. He will teach us to pray. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in Romans 8.26— Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. All right, what does that mean? Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm before you today. And Lord, you see, Billy, I've been praying for him for six years. God, I love him, I care for him. But Father, you said, Lord, that I could take the shield of faith and put it over top of Billy and that I could quench all the fiery darts that are against him from causing him to think thoughts about Jesus that just aren't true. So, Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray God's word, Peter. Listen to how I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, Father, Lord, you said you gave me these weapons, that the weapons of our warfare aren't natural, man-made, or carnal. But, Father, you told me that if I would pull my trigger on my weapons, that if I would lift up Billy to you, God, that you would bring down the negative forces that are against him, you would break the demonic stronghold against him. Lord, you said in Jude 23, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment. Father, I'm asking you, Lord, to snatch Billy out of the fire. God, this is your word. I'm just praying your word back to you, Father. So, Lord, I'm asking you, please, in the holy name of Jesus, God, you see, Father, Lord, your word in Second Timothy 2.24 says that Satan has him captive to do his will. So God, please release Billy from Satan's Satan's captivity. Please, God, break the stronghold, whatever it is, Father. I don't know what it is, God, but Holy Spirit, you do. Father, please use me, God. Don't let me go another day without, don't let me go back to sleep when you come in my room anymore, Father. Let me get out of bed and take up my position as an intercessor for the Church of Jesus Christ. Please, Peter, it's all about honesty. It just talk to your dad, Paul, there were eight places in Scripture that I find where Paul asked people to pray for him, and one of them was second Corinthians 1, 10 to 11 it says, "Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us and we trust and yet will deliver, but you also helping together, helping us together by your prayers for us. We don't understand the average guy in the pew, Peter, it does he feels like a second-class Christian. He's not a pastor, an evangelist, or missionary. Hey, what am I? I'm yeah. just. A, we don't understand that what we do on a daily basis. If there's one thing that we can do, and that's intercession. And, and I, you know, look, I use the word intercession for you, and, and uh, because you understand it, and and Bill, and I understand that most business guys out there listening, or perhaps people in their car, home. But, well, I'm not an intercessor. All right, then take the word intercessor away. Would you, like to have, would you like to get engaged with the Holy Spirit to bring your loved ones to Christ? Would you like to work with God? Do you, would you know that God wants you to work with him every day? Yeah, God, God doesn't need you. He chooses us. Hmm. He chooses to work through us. There's nothing that God needs from me other than my obedience. God chose to do it this way. And he chose, and you know why, in my opinion, Peter, he chose prayer and why it's nothing. Um, And I thank you for asking, well, Jim, how do I get started? Corey Ten Boom used to say, hey, have an appointment with God and keep it. Ask God to help you to pray. Just have a prayer list, but maybe list people that you know that don't know Christ. Write them down. People that are, are, hey, hey, pray for me. My son's in jail. Write it down. And then take those before God. And ask God. Say, God, would you wake me up tomorrow? Father, I wanna I want to be I want to be successful in my Christian life, Lord, and I want to be used by you. I'm not gonna preach a sermon or maybe I want to never teach a Bible class in Sunday school. But God, I can pray. I can do what Jim's mother did. My mother never spoke anywhere, I never did a class, nothing. But because she knew her God and all what she did was she took me before her God. Satan was relentless with her, but she took me before God. And because she took God at his word, Peter, and all she did is in my, my, I guess the greatest thing I could say, Peter, to start is just pray the scriptures back. Just pray the scriptures back to God. Remind God of His Word. Like Bill started the program by Matthew eighteen nineteen. Father, you said that if two of us on earth agree as touching anything in my name, it shall be done for them. My Father which is in heaven. Well, how about all the other verses too? First, First John. This is the confidence we have in God, that if we ask God anything according to His will, we know that He hears us, and if He hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Put it before God, and hmm. say, God, this is Your Word. Father, Billy needs to be saved. God, you you know you you sent your son to die for Billy, or let's pretend it's a, a financial need that you have. Let's pretend you you can't, you're, you're looking for a job, and, and you're, just, you're asking God to open the doors. Well, I'm convinced, I am convinced that God gets excited when his kids take him at his word. That's why I said earlier, Peter, and I've not been to seminary, and I've never heard of, of Scripture, never heard of sermon on this acts or Ephesians 3:10 to the intent I, the, yeah yeah it's crazy yeah. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by who by the church to who the principalities and powers in the heavenly places you would think you would think it would say God's going to do this thing to make known by his church and through Jesus Christ to the world that Jesus Christ is the savior of mankind. Well, yeah, we know, we know he's going to do that, right? But what, what, is this very, what does it say in the verse before that? Verse 9 it says, To make and to make all see what is the fellowship of what? The mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been what? Hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, so that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. By his church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. All right. I'm convinced. I used to hear Billy Graham say, when people get to heaven, there's a whole lot of unanswered prayers. Uh, the gods were just waiting because nobody prayed.
0: Wow. All yeah. right, we're, we're doing church here today. We're going to take a little break. We'll come back uh, more with Jim Maxim. His book is 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer. Dr. Peter Capster and I are so happy to be hosting him today on our prayer series. We'll be right back. with our prayer series Peter Capster and I are so glad to have Jim Maxim on the show today he's the author and speaker and of 21 days of breakthrough prayer and we're talking about going to prayer and doing it wisely and speaking God's word back to him in prayer and Jim one of the verses you brought up which has always been one of the most sobering verses in all of scripture is from 2 Timothy 2 when it says those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses. Yes. I pray for people to come to their senses. And then this next <laughs> verse is so sobering and escape the, from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Yes. Yikes. So the stronghold yeah. is out there and we have to pray that, that like you say, that, he will be released from this stronghold.
2: Yeah, yeah. And here's, a, here's why a lot of churches uh, don't have prayer meetings anymore, because they begin to focus on the devil. And it gets goofy. It gets unscriptural. It gets, you miss the point. The point of that is to understand that the devil's real and his, his dominions are real. His power is real to those who don't know Christ. His power against the church is real, just not. It doesn't have to be successful. Um, but you pray God's word back to God. You honor God. In other words, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. What is he talking about? The effective, the effectual fervent. Well, my effectiveness is based upon my under my, is upon correct thinking. My effectiveness uh, of being in any subject in the world, I'm going to be effective. Uh, Peter, you said you went to seminary. And so you're, you're, you went to seminary so that you could dis- uh, dissect the Word of God in the proper way and learn more about it and do it the right way. Well, that's that's what James is talking about. The effect, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. What's he talking about? Well, Bill, that scripture you just just quoted It's very real. Satan has people captive to do his will. So how do we uncaptive them? How do we get them uh, unchained from him? Well, we have to use the weapons that God gave us. The weapons of our warfare aren't natural, man-made, or carnal, but divine weapons for what? Pulling down of demonic strongholds. And with these weapons, we bring every negative thought captive. So So instead of focusing on the devil... The, the, just acknowledge that he's real. Just quote that scripture you just read. Satan's got him bound. But I'm not going to worry about you, Satan. The last, I'm not, not going to disrespect him. You know, in the, in, in the book of Jude, when Satan went after the body of Moses, God said he sent Michael. What did Michael say to him? He dared not say a railing accusation against him. He simply said, the Lord rebuked thee, Satan. He knew the hierarchy in the spiritual world.
0: Mm-hmm. He knew it. Yeah. And course, and when
2: he stood yeah, when he stood in front of Satan, he said, Man, I'm not gonna hassle with you, I don't have to. The Lord rebuke
0: you. Yeah. Jim and Ephesians six twelve for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms.
2: Yes. And so how do we combat those things? Well we don't ha don't we don't need to waste our time communicating with them, you know. I'm gonna acknowledge God's authority over somebody. I'm going to pray God's word over somebody. I'm going to get as many scriptures as I possibly can, uh, and I'm going to pray those scriptures uh, uh, over that person. And I'm going to not remind God, that's the wrong word. I'm going to honor God by using his word back to him. And when I say these words out loud in the spiritual realm, something happens. That's what we miss. And Peter, you were asking me earlier, how do we do that well when we say these things out loud out loud the spiritual realm hears us what that verse you just quoted bill is so powerful and then it gets it gets it it ties back to this one in ephesians 3:10 to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to who the principalities and powers in heavenly in other words I'm serving notice on that in the name of Jesus Christ Satan, release, Billy, God, I'm just honoring your word. Father, I'm not going to spend my time talking to Satan, but God, I'm going to honor you. So Father, please, bring down the dominions, Lord, Lord, release release, take Satan's power off of Billy, please, God, Father, out of this drug and this alcohol abuse, this emptiness he has in his soul, Father, Satan's using that to, to destroy him. God, please, bring this down in Billy's life. Father, your word says this. Then boom! I might quote four scriptures. Mm-hmm. I, I always get back to the word because the word, it, the word—that's where the power is, not in my words. And I don't want to get emotional. I'm a human being, so yeah, my personality is going to manifest. Okay, uh, and yeah, I'm good with my words. I have a, a, God's given me a, a, a great gift of verbally speaking. I understand that, but it's for His glory, and I don't want to use my emotions and get emotional without the word. I have to quote the word. My personality is going to manifest, but uh, the word, the word has to come out of me. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. And so my, the reason, um, like Daniel Henderson teaches pastors how to have spirit led scripture fed worship based prayer meetings that people actually want to come back to.
1: Hmm.
2: Why? Because they're spirit led scripture fed, worship-based prayer meetings. We focus on God's Word, we worship God, and we let the Word loose.
1: We turn Jim, the we Word have just, loose. Uh, we have just over maybe a minute left or so. I'm just wondering if uh, in that minute or so you could take a second to pray for our listeners, pray for the, the Church in our in our country. We've often closed our series in prayer. It'd be great to have you pray for us if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Thank you.
2: Father, Lord, Jesus answered the disciples when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. The first thing he said, Father, was, boys, say this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, we hallow you. Father, we bless you and praise you. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. Father, we magnify you for America. Father, we thank you for our land. We thank you for the homes that we live in, the areas that we live in. We thank you, God, for the help that you've given to us. We thank you for the government of the United States, Father, Father, we thank you for the freedom that you've given us all these years. And, Lord, it seems to be as if the, Satan wants to take away this freedom even more intensely than ever before. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive us, please, God. Father, forgive us for not praying. Father, in the name of Jesus, Bill and Peter and I, we stand before you, God, on behalf of the Church of Jesus Christ. We ask for forgiveness, Lord. Father, forgive us for our lack of prayer. Forgive us for wanting to do it on our own. Forgive us, God, for getting off in these leadership tactics and all this other nonsense without prayer, Father. Father, please forgive us. Please, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Lord, your word says that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. Father, we humble ourselves. We acknowledge you, God, that you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we bow before you. Lord, we prostrate our spirit before you. God, we humble ourselves before you. We acknowledge we have nothing, Lord, to offer anybody but you. Lord, please, please, God, stir the church in America. Please, God, stir the church. Wake up your bride. Bless our pastors and their wives and children. Bless them, God. Please ignite them once again to come before you, to cry out to you, God, for your power, for your manifestation, God, in their services. Help our pastors, Lord. Please protect their wives and children. Destroy any demonic strategy against them. Please, God, anything that Satan has against our pastors and their wives and kids, please, God, destroy it. Reveal any evil against their children, Lord, that their parents would see it.
0: Amazing. That's our time. Thank you so much. Have a- Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.